Well, let's get started then. <clears throat> As you heard, this one's on loyalty. Before I get started, do a little something different, a little sidetrack here. Kind of give you an insight into how I prepare. There's two purposes I have goals when going into giving a message. Because John gives sermons, I just give messages. So there's a difference. But the goals I have are, are twofold, and it's pretty simple. One is to spend time with God, draw closer to Him in worship, and to get to know Him better. That's the foremost. That's the reason why I do it. And the second is, is for me to think. And then the subsequent one for you is to think, because then I have to give that message. So spend time to think about what is he really saying, and especially what is he saying to me about whatever message I might be given. So that's the twofold purpose of when I do these messages and a little insight. And we've all heard it before about Christians. What do you got to do? You got to check your brain at the door. That's what the critics say, to be a Christian. You can't possibly really think this through and have all this stuff. You really believe that? And to them, I say, blah, blah, blah. We got to think. If you're a Christian, you got to think. And here, I think Christ, I don't think, I'll show you where he says, think. He challenges us to do this. Run through these seven examples. Matthew 18, 12. It says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, he says, what do you think? Matthew 21, 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work. Matthew twenty two forty two. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? He asked. Mark 2, 8. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man? And he goes on. Luke ten thirty six. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? What do you think? Luke 12, 51, what do you think? I came to bring peace on earth? Question, no, I tell you, but division. Luke 13, 2, Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others? What do you think? And uh, I think he really means, what do you think? He wants you to think. If we're not critically thinking about what God tells us in the Bible and testing what the world says against that, we're lazy disciples. You're just lazy and I'm not saying testing when I say testing what the world says. I'm not saying test God. There's only one place that I know where God says test me, and that's in Malachi. It talks about the tithe. We're not to test the God that we know, but we're to test other stuff. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 21 says this. Do, you not, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And in 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they come from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Where to think and to test. And that's a quick insight in my head, which might be scary, so you can go ahead and leave that place now. So are you ready for the test? Because I'm going to challenge you to think. So we get the loyalty. Long ways to get to loyalty. Uh, for me, this is a man's trait. I don't know. The other guys... If you're walking by and just kind of passively hearing a conversation, I hear loyalty, honor, duty. I instantly, what, who's, what are you saying? It, it's, these words, loyalty, honor, and duty mean something. They're, they're more than just words on paper or in the spoken. They're principles. I don't know about women, if there's, this is the same to you, you might have different words. Faithfulness, love, compassion. But loyalty, man, that's just, it, there's something there when I hear that word. It means something. It's definitely way more than just words on paper. But I kind of said, women, do you, 
Does that mean the same thing to you? Word, word faithfulness I used. Is there a difference between loyalty and faithfulness? It's like the word love. John's kind of done this before with the word love. Well, now that we know there's a deeper meaning, we've got to find out what context it's being used. Love, there's three kind of loves. Agape love, which is sacrificial, which is what Christ showed to us. Eros is romantic love between a man and a wife. And phileo is brotherly love. So when we heard the word love now, we should be like, well, what context do you have that in? What do you mean by it? How's it being used? Loyalty for me is the same way. What context is it being used in? What does it mean? How is it being used? And after reading a lot of opinions and commentary, starting with the, the definition, usually, as you guys know, that have been here, that's where I kind of jump into it. I wasn't satisfied. I kept finding loyalty had the word faithfulness in it. I looked at faithfulness, it has loyalty in it. And to me, it just, there's something more to loyalty. So I called up John. He gets those great calls from me. John, I think I'm going off kilter here. Can you help me? So I just kind of said what I just told you guys. And it wasn't 20 seconds in the conversation. Here, paper flipping. And, well, I have this right here. It's a character first book, which I didn't ever find, but that we've given out. And, and this is, he kind of said, no, this is exactly what I think you're trying to say, is it? And I said, so we bounced it back and forth on each other. So here's a little question. And that first question, is loyalty and faithfulness the same? And I'm going to get to what John found for me that I wanted to use too. But I'm going to ask a question to answer a question. I do that a lot, so thanks for your patience. But, okay, here it is. Can a person be loyal to more than one cause? Be it right to life, biblical marriage. Can you be loyal to both those causes? I think so. They're good causes for us in the Christian faith. I think we can be loyal to both. Can we be loyal to more than one person, say my wife or my mother? I'm still nodding. Yeah, I can be loyal to both. Can I be loyal to more than one relationship? How about my work relationship and my church relationship? So far, work, I look at the university. They haven't told me I can't do this. So right now, I could be loyal to both, I think. Now let's reverse that and use the word faithful. Can a person be faithful to more than one cause? And to me, I started going, ooh, now, hmm. Can I be faithful to more than one cause? The first two examples, right to life and biblical marriage, I'd be faithful to both of those, I think. Why not? How about can I be faithful to more than one person? My wife or my mother? Mm, yeah, it's starting to get some gray there, huh? And how about the last one? Can I be faithful in more than one, one relationship, be in work or here? I think at best you're going to have to split your time to be faithful. You've got to split your time. I think this is why Scripture says this in Proverbs 3, verse 3 through 4. It says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So it kind of stands out, huh? For faithful, loyal. And this is what John helped me find, and I actually had it and didn't know it yet. But this is, this is from the Character First materials. It says, The word faithfulness would at first appear to be synonyms with loyalty. However, faithfulness and dependability relate to the work or service. And that's on your first outline, I believe. Let me find my outline. So I'll say that again. Faithfulness and dependability relate to the work or service that a person performs. And whereas loyalty involves a much deeper long-term relationship. And the Bible uses the terms that best describe loyalty are three. There's a blood covenant, 
that Abraham made with God, and God made with Abraham, is found in Genesis 17.1. And then Jonathan and David made that same covenant in 1 Samuel. So there's a blood covenant that helps describe loyalty better. There's a bond-servant relationship, and John's mentioned this before. On the seventh year, you're to release your bond-servant. But if they chose to stay because out of love for their master, that bond-servant could, and what they did, they put their ear up to the door with an awl and poked a hole through it. To the and consummate that relationship between the bond servant and their master. And then, of course, marriage vows. That bond there between man and a wife is more around the term of loyalty. So there's deeper thoughts there. Again, just want you to think. It could be the same word to you, but I just, again, I want us to think and to test. I found this, and it's called El Shaddai's website. It's a Christian-based and they were talking about loyalty, and they made three points that I wanted to share, and I, I found it was really good. <clears throat> it says in point number one, in a society whose first focus is, I am first, loyalty and faithfulness are subjects that are not taken seriously. They're seen like something antique or dumb. And I'll touch more on that in a little bit. But basically they're saying that they're not taken seriously. They're antique, these terms, loyalty or faithfulness. Second point is that these characteristics of faithfulness and loyalty are essential for a civilized society. I totally agree, and we'll hopefully touch base on that too. And loyalty and faithfulness set the limit, and I like this, between civilization and the jungle. Are we going to have a civilized society with loyalty and faithfulness, or are we going to be like the wild beasts that we can find in the jungle? So quickly, should we both be faithful and loyal? Yes. Again, we just want to think and to test here. All that said, we finally get to the definitions. And this is where it started my whole little journey to get to where I'm at when I started looking up that word loyalty. Loyalty means, here's one, steadfast in allegiance to one's homeland, government, or to be faithful to a person, ideal, or custom. Another one is faithfulness to commitments or obligations. See that word? Faithfulness is always in loyalty. When you look up loyalty, and it'll have, or faithfulness, and it'll have loyalty in there. A third one is faithful adherence to a sovereign government leader, cause, etc. Another one is an example or instance of faithfulness, adherence, or the like. And usually I can find another definition that's equally good or better than the kids' one, but the kids' definition stands out great. And there's a definition that's on their card and that we'll be studying for a month is using difficult times to demonstrate my commitment to those I serve. And I think, wow, that, that sums it up in just a few words. In difficult times, you demonstrate commitment to those you serve. Shows a relationship, shows you doing something. It's, it's an awesome definition. So let's put this test of loyalty, or this loyalty to the test. A quick show of hands here. I was going to go with Green Bay Packers, and I talked to John Major and Pete, and they both went, hmm. When they both go, mm, I don't know if I do, I, I'm not going to use it, so let you just ponder that one. What would have been? All right, beverages, choices and beverages. Coke people, Pepsi people. Oh, look at the Coke people. Okay, Coke people. Who are Coke loyal? Judy's almost, sta- she is standing. Coke loyal. Wow, Pepsi loyal. You're from the South? Because I think northern folks are more Coke. I'm from the South. 
Tech. I didn't know Kansas, but now I'm from the south because I moved up north. But I, maybe that's wrong. But I see Coke, Pepsi. But so there's more Coke. It looks like Pepsi. Did I see enough hands? Yeah, one. See, it's not up there. She's like, okay, Pepsi. Oh, so you're one of those. Yeah, the chemical reaction. John, talk to her later. Because he makes commercials and stuff and hopes people by yeah. Well, I had a brother, and, and I find this true, as we just saw here real quickly and non-scientific. Coke, bang. I mean, it's up. My brother worked for Coke. Coke, crazy, rabid. I mean, insane Coke. We almost got in fisticuffs because his insanity. Pulled up going fishing, stopped at a rest or a little convenience store, and I'm in the backseat. So here, here's a dollar. Give me a Pepsi. He's a Pepsi. Five minutes later, comes back. What do I have? It's not Pepsi. It's Coke. And I, I didn't want Coke. I want Pepsi. I'm not buying Coke. Are you crazy? Just Coke? No. Or Pepsi? This is Coke. I'm Coke. You're drinking Coke. No, I'm not drinking. Insane. Rabid Coke fan. He's come around to my way of thinking now. So when we go visit, he actually has Pepsi in the fridge. And I have Coke when he comes. So I try to accommodate him. So he's come down off the foaming mouth, rabidness, but... Coke, Pepsi, okay. And I'm glad he was here because I'm saying if he wasn't here, this would be not as fun. But the other brand loyal, Apple, PC. And is everybody starting to look in the back? The tech guy of the church, and what does the church own? An Apple. We had to experience the bad PC to get to the Apple. (laughs) Apple people are serious loyal. They're not rabid or anything, but they are serious loyal. You ask an Apple person if you ever own a PC, and it's like, would you ever sell your mother? It's, why would I own? As John, why? It's, he told me when I talked to him on the phone, it's a matter of right or wrong, Mike. It's not. <laughs> so there's a quick one. Coke, Pepsi, Apple, PC. Loyal. You get some people that are seriously loyal to their brands. Here's some more loyal dues. My brother's rabidness, not a do, but Loyalty dues. One is people who are loyal, they stand by, stick up for, and protect your family, friends, school, and country. Loyalty dues. You're a good friend if you're loyal. Another one is you look out for those that care about you. And loyalty is you're very careful with private information that can embarrass or hurt others you care about. Some loyalty dues. Here's some I wills of loyalty. Kind of, the kids will get them on their cards, of course. I will serve my family and teachers. I will encourage others in hard times. Did you hear that? I will encourage others in hard times. It's easy to encourage them when everything goes well. Yeah? The Fairweather fan. Whom, how many people know a Fairweather sports fan? They're up. Whoa, I'm behind them. They're down. I don't know them. I don't, who? You can't be a Fairweather fan. With loyalty. You've got to encourage in hard times, too. Here's a good one. I will not mock authorities. Oh, that one's tough. I heard the whistles. Ooh. I will not mock authorities. You won't if you're loyal. I will point out the good in others, which is one of our goals, why we do character traits, and then we want to show those people or demonstrate and praise good character trait. We want to point out the good we see in others. And then the last one for thy wills, I will honor my country. Great I wills. And we all should be learning this. I have a quote by Robert Benchley. 
And Robert Benchley says this, a boy can learn a lot from a dog. B's trying to get me to buy a dog for my son, and I just say no. A boy can learn a lot from a dog. Obedience, loyalty, and the importance of turning around three times before lying down. Well, that's true. So mom and dad and even grandparents, because I know there's a grandparent. So mom and dad and grandparents. This one is classic, better taught, or better saw than taught. Caught than taught. She's, she's heard this a few times. She knows where to insert words. So this one's better caught than taught. Our kids and anybody that we associate will see loyalty better in our actions and in our words. This one is a classic one. So we'd rather learn that from us versus, of course, the family pet. And it's not the old Don Fields way, which is my dad. And his classic words is, do as I say, not as I do. How many had that said to him? Do as I say, not as I do. And did that just ring hypocrisy? I mean, it was my dad. I loved him. I mean, I was Landon's age, and I was like, oh, yeah, I could quote it. And he'd go do whatever he's doing. And Tara and I were talking about this morning about our, both our parents smoking. You guys should never smoke. This is an awful habit. Well, where's the disconnect? So this one again, parents, don't, don't say. Do as I say, not as I do. They're watching you, and they're going to do as you do. Let's show loyalty. So here's another famous Fields question. Can we live without loyalty? Told you we'd get back to this topic about, you know, it's dumb and antiquated. Society needs it. Can we live without it? I found this by James Q. Wilson. And this is a direct quote from this and description of this guy. So he's one of America's foremost public intellectuals. Take that as you may. He's a government think tank guy, I guess. But the stuff is is brilliant. This is James Q. Wilson. He says this, and he argues that the decline of marriage and loyalty now threatens to undermine our social cohesiveness and to produce a generation that cares little about loyalty, and here it is, and prizes freedom over character. That... I don't know about you, that just set me down and said, wow, all the stuff I've kind of thought, and this guy surmised it in one small paragraph, one sentence. Again, he says that it threatens to undermine social cohesiveness and to produce a generation that cares little about loyalty and prizes freedom over character. It's that I am first. Think about yourself because no one else is going to. You've got to put time into yourself. And it prizes freedom over character. As soon as it becomes difficult, I'm choosing my, I'm going to walk. Here I go. I'm not going to be loyal. Character is nothing. It's old. It's antiquated. It's dumb, that one guy said. What about Washington crossing the Delaware? What if they would have chose freedom over character? We all be loyal British subjects, I think. He goes on to say, and I added the word earthly, but of all the earthly relationships into which people enter, the family is the most important. He asserts, we are raised by parents, confronted with siblings, introduced to peers through our family roots. Indeed, human character arises out of the very commitments people make to others in their family or outside of it. Marriage, of course, is the supreme form of that commitment, and I'll add again, on earth. Our greatest commitment needs to lie with Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Outside of that, it's the marriage. And we learn, as he says, and I so agree, that we learn our commitment 
in our families. And that commitment shows up in loyalty, the character trait of loyalty that we're going to study. He continues, says, thus marriage is marginalized. When marriage is marginalized, character suffers. Because why? We prize freedom over character. I'm going to choose what's best for me and forget what commitment I may have made. He says he sees the essential tension that produces America's culture war as a battle between character and freedom. And I say amen to that. He continues, for a good life, mere freedom is not sufficient. It must work with and support commitment. For out of commitment arises the human character that will guide the footsteps of people navigating the tantalizing opportunities that freedom affords. And if we've got teenagers and they're going into further and beyond or to the college life, you guys that are in college, how many freedoms are out there? And they're tantalizing. And they're everywhere. And they're getting more. There's no more shock value hardly. But when we value freedom over character, guess what? We're going to be in that edge that, that one guy said, between separates the civilization and the jungle. We're living in the jungle. It's going to get free, just free for all. So I loved how he put that. And he asked this question, which I like to, makes think, think and test. Is loyalty always a virtue? Is loyalty always a virtue? Of course it's not. We know that. He says, Wilson asserts that, that loyalty cannot be the supreme moral good, for it is possible to be loyal to the wrong cause, the wrong authority, or the wrong association. He says, he continues, a Nazi is not regarded as a moral person because he is loyal to Nazism. And I add this, how about atheism? There's a lot of loyalty out there to atheism. How about Satanism? People say, well, that's really strong. That's, I don't know any Satanists. Well, you start atheism, and it's not far down the road. So how do you think God would view that loyalty? So loyalty isn't a supreme moral good. So just being loyal does not mean that's a good thing. How about blind loyalty? I'm just going along with the train. I'm just following everybody else. I don't know why, but it's fun. Blind loyalty. What would we say, church? Bad. Bad. <clears throat> Christ warned his followers several times about counting the cost. I have a few here. First one's in Matthew 8, verses 18 through 21. Right through 20. And this is, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And the teacher of the law came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Count the cost. I have no place to lay my head if you're going to follow me. Don't be blind about this. Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. There's a hard teaching. How about this, Luke 14, 27 to 28? Just down the, the way from this last one. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, again, cannot be my disciple. And this is a famous one here. You, you guys probably have heard. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
For if you lay the foundation and aren't able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. So when hard times come, most people are going to walk. Christ wanted you to know that following him, he doesn't want blind loyalty. He wants you to know full well what you're getting into. Full well. I mean, he was just plain and blunt. You can't be my disciple if you're not willing to do these three things. You can't. So what would he rather have? Well-placed loyalty. And this is on your outlines there. Go down on these. Well-placed loyalty. first one, well-placed loyalty survives difficulties. Whether they be external or internal. So well-placed loyalty survives difficulties. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time out of adversity. We're called brothers and sisters in Christ for a reason. So when it gets tough, you're not there alone. So well-placed loyalty survives difficult times. And that's why Christ wanted you to know what the costs were. Second one, well-placed loyalty weathers setbacks. Two lines there, weathers setbacks. Proverbs 18, 24, and this is our memory verse. It's on the front of the outline for us kids and adults to remember. Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who was... Who was Unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And this was the NIV. This was, I did the same thing, John, back in our Bible studies last week. The new NIV. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It weathers setbacks. In Job 2, 9 and 10. There's some great stuff in Job. This is his wife. Job's wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. There's two great examples of loyalty and disloyal. The wife, she wasn't real loyal. Curse God and die. Let's get over this thing. And God, or Job, and all that said, I'm not going to do that against God. How can we accept good and not bad? Job had loyalty that weathered setbacks. And did he have setbacks? The third one, well-placed loyalty that Christ wants us to have versus blind, is that it does not cave in to attacks. Well-placed loyalty does not cave in to attacks. This is from David in, regarding his soldiers. In 1 Chronicles 12, 33, said, Experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty. We're going to battle. Seth just came from battle. You, you better not be really easy to cave in. Because if you want somebody that caves in quickly, that's a bad place to be if you're going to war. So well-placed loyalty does not cave in to attacks. A fourth one that Christ wants us to do versus blind loyalty is that well-placed loyalty engenders trust and preserves friendships. Engenders trust and preserves friendship. Two great examples here. Ruth. 1, 16 through 17. But Ruth replied, and she replied to Naomi, her mother-in-law. She said, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you, shall, where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Wow. Now there's a friend. And in Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, 3 through 4, 
This is Jonathan and David. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to him, to David, along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. He was committing to David loyalty. And as we know the story, his own dad wanted to kill David, and he stuck by David because he made a covenant. Like we were talking about in the Bible, the three types of covenants that really show loyalty, and this is one of them. So that was the fourth. And the fifth one here, and I'm about done. We can be about ready for communion. Is well-placed loyalty resists temptation. Well-placed loyalty resists temptation. In Matthew 4, 8 through 11, we find the best. <clears throat> of course, we have to go to Christ to find that. It's when he was baptized, went out in the desert to be tempted for 40 days. And then we pick it up in verse 8 here on 4. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. So well-placed loyalty resists temptation. And kids and adults, we're going to get tempted. We're going to get tempted by people we're loyal to at times. But you've got to stand up against it. And you got to speak truth. And I've said this before in other ones, if your friends leave you, they weren't your friends. Okay? But these five things, these well-placed loyalties, will help guide you. If you'll remember these and try to put them into practice. So loyalty at times, and I can attest to what I've told the story about my friend who punched a guy. <laughs> he was my best friend, but you know what? I, I'm not going to do wrong to show my loyalty. Because now it's just, that's just wrong. So it's tough. So there's three basic reasons I'd like to give. The why loyalty. Why is it hard to be loyal at times? And they're simple and they're related. One is selfishness and individualism. I am first, which we've talked about. The world says, you need to be first. Think about yourself. Well, when you're doing that, it's hard to be loyal to somebody, huh? Especially when tough times come. James Q. Wilson says, A generation that cares little about loyalty and prizes freedom over character is in a downfall. That's why it's tough. The second reason it's tough, it's a lack of self-giving. Again, we're thinking about ourselves. We're not going to give to others who need. When tough times come, it's all about us. We're not going to be loyal when that happens. The third thing is being incapable of sacrificing myself for the good of another. And we've had this several times with our kids' verses. Think of others before yourself. But these are three difficult things. They're very related but it makes being loyal tough. So you're thinking, okay, Mike, it's tough. What's, how can I help? Well, here's the cure. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. And it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is great. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And do you believe that? Do we believe this? Because what does it say? It will sanctify you, make you holy through and through. However that means, that's just down and back, or however you want to look at it. Side to side, through and through, he will sanctify you. He knows it's not easy. And the beautiful part of that last one is that the one who calls you is faithful. He's loyal. 
And what he says, he's going to back it up. And it simply says, and he will do it. There's a cure to be tough times for anything, but certainly with being loyal. It's to trust him. Let's go in prayer before we go to communion. Father, we just quiet our hearts as we ponder these words, Lord, and as I, I opened up with, help us test these things. Test anything, I say. Make us think. How do you want us to perceive this? How do you want us to apply it in our daily lives? Who do we be loyal to? You don't want us to be lying, blind, loyal, Lord. And there's so many things calling for our attention. So many people, they like it when you're loyal to them, but the cause may not be right, Lord. Help us discern this. In that last passage, Lord, we know for the one who said it is faithful, and you will do it. And you did it so many thousand years ago. In Calvary, when you died on that cross, Lord, and as we prepare our hearts for this communion, and as you've told us to do, and you command us to, to remember, do these things in remembrance of me. Lord, we take this wafer, it's a symbol of your body that was broken and beaten. And this juice, Lord, is a symbol of your blood that was shed because you were faithful and you did it. Lord, let's help us be loyal to you, to your word, to how it stirs our hearts when we read it. And Lord, when all things come, that we'll just be there and we'll just stand As we take this time of communion, Lord, help us focus on that and to remember that great gift you did give us. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.